Welcome to the One Step Better podcast, designed for business owners and leadership teams who love tackling the challenges of growing their business head on. Each week, we discuss the problems, triumphs, and day-to-day experiences we are facing as business leaders. Let's jump right in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me today, we have the special honor of hearing from Effie Agbetui, who is uh, CEO, president, um, all great things at R2R, palliative uh, and home care, or hospice. And uh, Effie, I appreciate you joining me uh, this afternoon. I I know that right now we're working on a little bit of a time zone difference. uh, And so thank you for staying up a little bit late for me. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure, and thank you for having me, Mike. Absolutely. Effie, here's where I I always like to get started with. I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about your story, um, how you decided to jump into this whole home care, palliative care, hospice world uh, here in, uh, I I guess you guys are out of San Antonio, if I remember correctly. No, we're actually in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Dallas. specifically Louisville. How it all started, it actually started 20 years ago. But it started in the United Kingdom in London, and it started um, having completed my career in nursing, working in different um, healthcare sectors, and then coming back into community nursing, I realized there was a gap for someone who would be an advocate as well as a care provider for the patients, someone who would um, connect the dots and bring in all the different services that were vital to someone receiving the optimum care at home. So I embarked on a journey with one other person to start um, a hospice and home care in London. And before we knew it, it's now been 20 years. And prior to um, the 20 year celebration, I took some time off for maternity leave And for the first time, I was sent off by my team to the U.S. to rest with family. And while I was there, I couldn't keep still. So it ended up being some research and feasibility on if we could start a similar service, hospice service, personal assistance service or home health. And that's how the business was born from starting out in the U.K. and then moving across Um, to the U.S. and it's actually communicated in the name. The name is Rainbow to Rainbow. So R to R stands for Rainbow to Rainbow. And it's in reference to a story in Genesis where God used the rainbow to show a sign of him not knocking out his people again. So that's where the name has come from. That's really cool. So, and you know, it sounds like you kind of got a little bit um, pushed out for a a little bit. You had to come to the U.S. And your first thought there was, let's see if I can start something over here. It sounds to me a little bit like you have a a, a little entrepreneurial flair there. Where did that come from? My parents. So my parents were entrepreneurs for all of my life. Um, They were in different sectors, though, to what I focused in. And I suppose they were entrepreneurs in the things that they were good at. Um, Retail of clothing, um, DIY stores for my dad, retail clothing and fashion for my mom. But I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. And um, when I went into nursing, 
I decided what would I use in business it was what I knew to do already. So I utilized the skills that I had learned in nursing and applied that into my entrepreneurial flair. But if you trace me back, I think from the age of 16, I have done one form of entrepreneurship into another. So definitely. Was there ever a point in time in your adult career life where you ever thought, you know what, I might just not do this whole working for myself thing and I'm going to go get a job working for somebody else? Or has that always been ingrained that you're going you're gonna to go run your own business? So I have had jobs. And when I've been in jobs, I've always applied myself 200%. <laughs> I work as though I'm working for God in anything that I do. I apply myself um, through my faith as though this is the highest priority in what I need to do. So I've always applied myself more than the 100% required. That's great. That's great. So in your current role as as leading R2R and even the organization over in London, what are some of your primary responsibilities that you have to make sure you're knocking out every day? I think the highest thing is strategy. And then right linked next to that is compliance. And then what comes from that, I would say, is business growth and development. But without a strategy, without direction of which way to go, you'll fail. You you plan to fail or you plan to succeed. So that's yeah. the primary focus for me. And it's then having a team of leaders who believe in the vision or are motivated to carve out their part in creating a greater vision than what you're capable of doing yourself. So it's the ability to attract the right people who are equally in sync and as committed to the vision that you have as a business owner. So that's, I would imagine that takes up a, a good chunk of your day trying to figure out what's the next strategic move, uh, where's the business going. So as, as we've moved through this whole worldwide pandemic that happened a couple years ago, and we're starting to see some of the uh, coming out of that a little bit, how is your strategy, the strategic component of what you're doing, how has that shifted over the past couple years? So I think the most effective that I have been is having worked from a, a nurse aide through to being a nurse, through to different departments within the company. So my working knowledge is applicable in every sense of the business. So I have a good understanding and a grounding of what the pressures are at each point. And then having experts who come in with the academic knowledge that I don't have, who then apply that to make us successful in whatever area we're focused on. So that's one way. My typical day can start from strategic. Okay, what are we planning for the year? What are we planning for the quarter? What are we planning for the next three years? It can also include what is happening here and now today, the number of referrals we've received, the number of complaints, the number of compliments, um, any issues around supplies and availability of staffing. So it can vary. I'm not as involved operationally, but I do have an understanding and I'm hearing in the background all the things that are going on on a daily basis. So you can never be too important to not get involved in the day-to-day. -day. 
That's really a great, great nugget of wisdom there. You don't ever really outgrow the operational piece of making sure everything's going well. But you so, could also have a team who think that you're interfering. So you have to decide what style of leadership you have. Um, if you have a team that is capable of just running with it and getting on with it, you have to hold back and allow them to do it and congratulate and celebrate. But if you have a team that expects you to also get involved in the mix of it, then you you find that balance as you work with those teams. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I know that's something that we we talk a lot about internally with our leadership team of, you know, we want to we want to give enough grace and, and leash for every for all of our department managers or whoever it may be that's kind of on the front lines of what we're doing to be able yes. to make decisions and, and do the right thing for our clients or whatever it is. And there's those times of having to balance the should I jump in right here and help out or is my jumping in helping out actually hurting? You know, how much of that it's it's a graceful balance to try to find. And it's I difficult. think sometimes we never find the balance. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. There's been days in which I try to jump in and somebody on my team would be like, Mike, I need you to like walk away. I got this. We're good. I don't need, I don't need anything. And uh, there's other days in which people come down and knock on the doors like, all right, I need your help. I, I've tried and I just can't and I need your help. And so it's, it's one of those lifelong lessons. And so I That's appreciate so you talking true. about that. Yeah, you know, one of the strategic components of, of home care, hospice, that entire world that we hear a lot from um, different business leaders on is staffing. Um, yes. Home care, that entire world has always struggled with staffing. It's always been, you know, a top five issue that, that we're trying to solve. We're trying to maybe not solve, but we're, we're balancing that, that whole entire process to make sure we have the right people in the right seat on the bus. And we have mm -hmm. a good enough funnel of new hires coming on to help, you know, uh, staff for growth down the road. That was a struggle way before COVID ever became a thing. It mm -hmm. seems like it's even a bigger struggle now that, you know, there's, there's people that for whatever reason, I don't even want to get into the, the political side of things, but for whatever reason, it's just more difficult now than ever. What are some of the things that you are seeing on your end when it comes to bringing in staff and training up your team? Are you guys struggling to find the right people in the right seats or is that something that's been going pretty well for you? So staffing is, as you've explained, is complex in itself. And yet there are certain components that work. So I explained before that I have been an employee myself. So there were certain things that were critical and important to me, the values of the organization, how I was treated in my employment, um, what I contributed as an individual, um, if I was cherished in my contribution, and if I was paid well, and if I had the flexibility to have that work-life balance as well. So just because you're now an employer doesn't mean you're not aware of those things that are critical to the people who come alongside you. So in two organizations in two different countries, I have one organization that has had employees for the full 20 years and still have a high number of people still coming in on different, at different seasons. You could have people who stay in employment because their family demands are to be in that place at that time and they're delivering on your expectation. They're meeting the key performance indicators and they're doing well. 
And then you could also have people on the other side who are not quite so sure um, of where they need to be at any given time. So you have to deal with that and say, maybe we're not aligned in terms of the vision that we have as an organization and the vision you have for yourself <laughs> and have those difficult conversations with people. But generally, I always believe there's someone out there who is perfectly suited for the role, who will come into that role either through the right reference or referral or through the right level of marketing and, and bring them in to make a difference and help you move the, the vision forward. Equally, there are people who are not as... Um, <laughs> as endeared to what they are needed to do. And it's having the ability to identify that immediately and deal with it because it affects and it dampens the spirit for other people who are putting themselves out uh, consistently. So recruitment, yes, has been challenging in the sense of the time we, we went through COVID. However, I'm starting to find that it's been refreshing that there are people who never considered healthcare in the past who are now coming forward to say, actually, maybe this is the direction in which I want to go into. Um, what are the opportunities for me? So you have to get a balance right. You need skilled expert individuals as much as you will bring new people in and give them an opportunity to try a new sector. Is there anything that you guys are doing or have done in the past that you found super um, successful when it comes to bringing in those, you know, maybe it's a, a nurse aide or, or even a nurse on the front lines, those, you know, the people that are going to be working directly with your customers. Um, is there anything that you guys have found that, you know what, this has really worked well for us? I think the first thing is being competitive in how you pay, how well you pay. That speaks to everyone on any level, if someone feels satisfied that they can compare what you're paying them against three or four other organizations and you still are either matching or better, yeah. that always works. But it's not always about the money. It's who you are as a team, your values as an organization. It's the ability to develop people as well, um, treat them with respect, give them opportunities to develop in themselves, in their role. Uh, recognize the effort that they put in, celebrate the wins together as a team, um, recognize the special events and occasions like Thanksgiving or Christmas, uh, do meal opportunities for the teams, just find ways to celebrate each other as much as you possibly can. And especially now where I think overall morale has been down, irrespective of any sector, it's, it's identifying that people have had a different emotion around being out and about. And what does that actually translate to in terms of building value as an organization? And how do you appeal to those people and reach out to them sincerely um, that you care? I think that's what makes a difference. This episode of the One Step Better podcast is brought to you by Patrick Accounting. Do you need better insight into your business? Are you concerned about your tax strategy as you grow your small business? If you do, Patrick Accounting offers outsourced bookkeeping and accounting solutions for growth-minded business owners and entrepreneurs. Patrick Accounting is in your corner to help you make more money and keep more of it. Check out our website, patrickaccounting.com to learn if we're the right team for your business.
how are you guys going and out and finding those, your workers? Are you using just the traditional Indeed or job post or, or do you have any other type of strategy for actually getting those employees in the building? So we have the strategy of the traditional job posts. Um, I strongly believe in referrals. So if you have someone in your team who is dynamic and outstanding, um, and they refer other people. But there's a weakness in that, in the sense that in the event that one person leaves, they might leave with the people they have referred. Because They're taking everybody come. with them. They've come as a group. They've come as an association, as a clique. So you have to be um, strategic in making sure that you're not leaving yourself too exposed so depending on the level of position you're recruiting for, for senior leadership and management, it's more through the agencies, through the referral sources that are more, they spend more time critiquing and making sure that it matches what you're looking for. And then the other positions, yes, there are different platforms that you can apply and you can participate in and they give you maybe a hundred candidates, but you have yeah. to spend time shortlisting and making sure that those individuals are lined up with what you're trying to achieve. You know, I, I really like how much of an emphasis you've put on not just bringing warm bodies into the organization, but you're trying to find the right type of people that fit your overall mission and vision. You know, uh, Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, he says, oh, we got to get the right people on the bus, but then we got to make sure that those right people are in the right seats on the bus. And it sounds like you guys are doing a great job of not just saying, hey, here's a job opening and I need a, a person for it, but I, here's a job open, I need a person for it. And they still have these other character qualities that they must fit in order to pass muster in your yeah. organization. That's really it's important. It's not always received positively, though, sometimes. Um, sometimes it can rub people off the wrong way because you're being specific in your expectation. You're being specific in your demand of what is good or great. You want yeah. great. You want greatness. So there can be moments of a high turnover until you stabilize. And I recently participated in a, a course on leadership and it said gone are the days when an organization should celebrate having individuals in post for 20 years because they could be the reason you're being static as an organization. So you should celebrate sometimes when someone needs to leave within a short space of time on the basis that they've delivered on your expectation and that they were effective in the role that you had them do. So it comes back to us as an organization to say with each role, what is our expectation? What are the things that are paramount to the success of this as, an, as a role? And how does that contribute to us as an organization? And where does that take us on the immediate term and in the long term? Yeah, that's that's really good. It, I think, you know, what you're saying there, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. There's balance in everything because selfishly, I want those employees that are going to be with me for 20 years and they're going to, you know, hit home runs every single day. But that's not that's not reasonable, um, yeah. you know, most of the time. And so uh, it's and that balance. Those, sadly, those employees sometimes that have been with us for 20 years will be the ones who stunt the creativity of the new recruits who are coming in with a different and better and more improved way of doing things. 
um, the number of times you hear someone saying, oh, we've always done things this way. So yeah. some people will not blend well into that. And that can put off some really skilled and talented people and you could lose out both ways. Absolutely. One of our core values here at, at Works is challenge it. We want to always have our people thinking, is there a better way to do something? Mm -hmm. the, you know, one of the least favorite phrases that, that we can hear is because we've always done it that way. And we tell our new hires that a lot of your first, you know, 30, 60, 90 days in that initial period of getting to know us, a lot of what you're graded on is what kind of questions you're asking and what kind of problems that you see that are not congruent with those values. We want, because nobody has fresher eyes than that new hire and they yeah. come into an organization and they see things differently. And I really, really, really love it whenever we have a new hire that raises their hand and says, hey, Mike, uh, you know, this seems a little bit different than what I thought it should have been because of X, Y, Z. And yeah. just to have that, that perspective is really, is really helpful as a leader. And I sure. think it would be even more beneficial if that person then says, here are three ways that I think we can do this. What are your thoughts on that? So Absolutely. That yeah, that takes it to another level. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Effie, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to talk with us. It's been really, really insightful to, to hear you talk about how you're leading your organization and some of the, the ways that you're going about solving that staffing, the staffing issues that most home care um, hospice organizations are facing. Um, you know, culture is a big deal to you. And I, and I picked that up, you know, from, from the, the second that we started talking. And I think that's really important uh, to, to help solve some of those staffing issues that many people are facing. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. I have one more question for you. Um, you know, the people that are listening to this podcast are typically business owners and leaders of, of organizations, some that are going to be very similar to the, that home care world. Um, what is a tool, tip, trick, maybe Maybe it's a podcast or a book that you've read or listened to, um, some software that you use, something that you have you know, developed in your own personal rhythms uh, that's helped you significantly uh, as a leader. Well, I read a lot. Um, there's a book that I've read recently. It's literally a one-hour one read from start to finish. And the book is called It Really Works. It Really um, Works. It really works. And what it's saying in that book is, I think it's faith-based um, in the context of you conquer or achieve something after you've achieved it within yourself. So before I started that finish, sorry, at that starting point, I must have an idea and I must be so clear on what I anticipate to be holding at the finish line in order for me to know that I'm going to achieve it. I don't know if that's a good way of explaining it, but it's, it's, it explains that what you believe will happen, both good and bad. What you say to yourself will come to pass, both good and bad. So choose carefully how you proceed and it really works. Well, Effie, I appreciate you sharing sharing that with us. Uh, it really works. I'm going to go check it out. I always like to get good book recommendations, so I appreciate yeah, that. This is a, a one. It's not even an hour read. Thirty minutes. You'll have read it front to back. That's even better. Quick reads are even better than <laughs> long reads. There you go. Read. It's a quick read. Well, Effie, again, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for coming on and talking with us and sharing a little bit about your experiences. Thank you so much, Mike. 
Thanks for listening to the One Step Better podcast. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to us. I'd really appreciate it if you would take some time to rate us five stars on your podcast player of choice and make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss out on another episode. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you.